welcome to Roleplaying History, the podcast where we explore the history of role-playing games. I'm Wayne Davis, and I'll be your guide for today's tour. Episode 28, Role-Playing Games for Younger Kids. So through the history of our little show to this point, we've talked about a lot of different tabletop role-playing games. However, the one thing that pretty much all of them have in common is the fact that they're all geared towards teenagers and older, for the most part. If you've got younger kids, those games might not work. I mean, you can take a D&D game and gear it down to a level that would work for your 8-year-old, but that would require a lot of work on your part. Not to mention, you'd have to be careful how many things you take out, because the way D&D is built these days, a lot of rules build off of other rules. So taking out the wrong rules can mess it up. Even a game like Star Wars can be complicated for younger kiddos, even though the published adventures do tend to be less about the commission of violence and less about actually killing anything when the shooting begins. And again, it's because of the number of rules and how they're written. Look, I can feel your pain. I'm a parent, and now a grandparent myself, and wanting to introduce your kids to the hobby you love so much is something I've struggled with for as long as my daughter has been in my life. Needless to say, I wish I'd had the information I'm about to give you about six years or so ago. Might have made a difference. For the record, my research for this episode was a little bit different than usual. Usually, I I know what game or company I'm going to research, and I have half a dozen or so resources that I'll utilize for information. This week, I didn't know what I was going to talk about until I found the games, so I did exactly what any of you might have done. I punched TTRPG for Kids into my Google bar. Now, my six suggestions are going to come courtesy of our friends at d20collective.com, which has frequently been a resource I've utilized in research. Morgan Carpenter wrote an article for the site that dropped on April 24th, 2021, asking the very question listener Monica Gentleman asked me, what about games for kids? Carpenter gave six games as answers, and we will review all of them. The games are Hero Kids, Toon, Tales of Equestria, Amazing Tales, Bubblegum Shoe, and Poker Roll. Let's start with Hero Kids. Hero Kids was created by Justin Halliday and published by Hero Forge Games. Brian C. Rideout did a review of the game for Welcome to the Death Trap, and he noted that Hero Kids is based, at least in part, on the older game Hero Quest. So if you've played that game, you've got a leg up. Now, before we continue, there's one big thing you need to understand. Hero Kids is only available through DriveThruRPG.com. So that means you'll have to make a purchase online. And while you can purchase physical books, it's cheaper to purchase the PDFs. Unless, of course, you need to print everything off. Hero Kids setting is sort of medieval Europe, but anachronistic at the same time. What do I mean by this? Well, the characters carry weapons that would be medieval, but the towns they go to, they might have ice cream cones available in their restaurants. In other words, the game tries to balance timeline accuracy with the types of things that younger kids might find interesting. Rideout notes in his review that Hero Kids, quote, doesn't overdo it. The backdrop of the game is really cool. The characters are the child apprentices of great heroes and defenders of the city of Ravenshore. As one might expect, a dark lord has risen, and the heroes and defenders mount up and take off to deal with it, 
leaving their apprentices to handle the defense of the city. So, those forces of evil who aren't working with the Dark Lord are doing exactly what one would expect them to do. Go try to take advantage of a city where the heroes aren't supposed to be. That's where the players come in. The various bad guys they run into in defense of their city make up the various adventures. Now, I do need to note that there are a number of adventures available for Hero Kids, and the core rules have a dozen or so pre-generated characters, both male and female, for the kiddos to choose and play. The game itself only uses six-sided dice, and it utilizes a die pool system. We've discussed that a hundred times to this point, and it's easy to teach the kids how to play. However, all the reviews I've read here stated that the kids they've played the game with, ranging in age from 4 to 9, were all able to pick up on the rules fairly quickly. Another big sell for Hero Kids is that each adventure also comes with a fully gridded map, so miniatures can be used in order to provide the full experience for kids, as well as to make it easier for them to visualize what their character can see. And yes, miniatures can be printed, cut out, and utilized both for the characters and for the monsters. I checked out a dozen different reviews for this game, and each one of them recommended this game for play with younger kids. However, several of them, right out included, noted something that concerned them. Hero kids, at least in the adventures they'd played to that point, focused primarily on combat rather than any sort of skill resolution. While the game allows for monster retreat, the concern that nonviolent combat resolution isn't typically an option might be a turnoff for some parents. Some reviewers were also concerned that even though this is supposed to be a role-playing game, an over-reliance on miniatures could confuse the difference between an RPG and a miniatures game for some kids. All of that being said, Hero Kids isn't any award winner, so for me, that means it's fairly well-liked and reviewed. Again, as I said earlier, Hero Kids is only available from DriveThruRPG. The core book is $11.99 in physical form, and that includes a PDF copy of the book. The various expansions for the game range in price from $2.99 and $9.99, and while some can be purchased in physical copy, most are only available in PDF. Next up is Tune. Now, I've discussed Tune before in a previous edition of this podcast, but you know what? I'm going to talk about it in depth again because I love this game that much and I don't think it gets enough love. Tune was released by Steve Jackson Games in 1984 and it was the brainchild of Greg Kostikian and Warren Spector. Tune is exactly what it sounds like, a role-playing game that is a cartoon. Of course, when Kostikian and Spector designed the game, I'm pretty sure kids weren't their target audience. But show me a kid that doesn't like cartoons. Yeah, okay, I'm sure one or two exist, but come on, let, let's not kid ourselves here. One big selling point for Toon is that the characters cannot die. Much like in a cartoon, if something happens that would incapacitate a character, that character will reappear in the next scene. I do understand that there are some parents who might feel this sends the wrong message, but my argument here is that if you're playing a role-playing game with your kiddo, they've already got a pretty decent grasp on what's real and what isn't. But then again, who am I to tell you how to raise your kid? Now, characters do have hit points. I mean, it's a role-playing game. We have to have some way to track when characters should fall. This being a tune world, however, the ways they get injured are very different. Drop an anvil on their head? Check. 
Open the package from the Ace Corporation that blows up. Yep. Hit him over the head with an oversized mallet. Of course. You see where I'm going with this, right? The Game Master in Tune is known as the Animator, and the stated prime directives for the game are to forget everything you know and act before you think. What does that mean? Basically, it means that if the group is having fun, do that thing. If it isn't funny, don't allow it. Pretty simple. And that simplification applies to the characters as well. It has a very basic skill-based resolution system with 23 skills that apply to four attributes. Muscle, zip, smarts, and chutzpah. You don't know what chutzpah is? Google it. I've played Toon before, and my advice to someone wanting to play this with kids is this. Ask them what type of cartoon character they want to be, and help them set their character up to be that thing. Whether it's Buzz Lightyear, Elsa from Frozen, or Mickey Mouse, if your kid wants to be that character, let them be that character. And if they want the character to do something that the actual cartoon character can't do, try to find a way to make it happen. Again, the game's about having fun. So long as they're having fun, you should be having fun. I highly recommend this game. Not just for kiddos, but for everybody. There's a problem, though. It's been out of print for more than 30 years. That's going to make finding a new copy nearly impossible. Used copies are available online, but I've seen prices run from $700 all the way to $1,500. Which reminds me, I need to dig out my copy because daddy needs some new dice. But you can head over to the Steve Jackson Games website for Tune, which is sjgames.com forward slash Tune, and pick up a PDF copy of the rules for $1,499. They've also got PDFs of the various supplements for sale as well. Next up is Tales of Equestria. Okay, so some of you might have figured this out from the title, but for those who haven't, I should tell you this up front. Tales of Equestria is a My Little Pony role-playing game. Manufactured by Riverhorse Studios and designed by Alessio Cavator, Dylan Owen, and Jack Caesar, Tales of Equestria is an officially licensed product so it has all the rights to the juggernaut that is My Little Pony. Insofar as characters, the players have three options. Unicorns, Pegasi, or Earth Ponies. Traits and talents are the important things for this game. Think of traits as ability scores in any other game. Body, mind, and charm. Talents are skills. Keen knowledge, history, fly, as well as some others. Now, this game utilizes more dice than some of the other games, and it assigns dice among the various traits, like Deadlands, which means, maybe, a D8 for body, a D4 for mind, and a D6 for charm, or mix those up some other way. The rules make it clear that you're not adding anything extra to your dice. When the GM has you make a roll, you roll the number of dice you're supposed to roll. And there are two types of rolls. Tests, where you need to equal or exceed a number, and challenges, which are opposed roles. There's also combat, but the way the game is designed, most of those are very short. RPG.net did a review of this game in 2017, and they noted that Tales of Equestria is custom-built for those who've never played a role-playing game. In fact, they noted, the question, quote, what is an RPG, end quote, is actually printed on the back cover of the book. And I can confirm that from my research. That question is actually printed on the book. For experienced gamers, this game might test your patience. 
That'll also probably be true if the thought of My Little Pony is like the sound of fingernails on a blackboard. However, if you can get over that, RPG.net does recommend the game highly, and therefore, so will I. The game is still in print, so you can check your friendly local neighborhood game shop. However, if you're in a bigger hurry, you can purchase the core game from Riverhorse's website, riverhorse.eu, for $35. I also found the starter set on Amazon for $20. However, I cannot confirm whether this is the same as the version on the Riverhorse website. But if you're just starting, the starter set does seem to be enough for a game or two. Riverhorse has also published multiple adventures and supplements for the main game, and those are also available on both sites. Alright, so let's go from ponies to Amazing Tales. Amazing Tales is written by British-born Martin Lloyd. He was looking for a way to entertain his daughter when they were both at home and bored. For the record, they live in Harlem in the Netherlands, and Amazing Tales was the result. Amazing Tales is a 96-page, full-color book. However, don't let the size of that book fool you. One thing you do need to know up front, you're probably going to want to buy dice. Yes, the game says you can play without them, and it even provides suggestions for how you can do that. But, let's be honest, there's a certain amount of fun in rolling dice. Plus, dice make a great stocking stuffer, so buy two sets. Amazing Tales is another game I've not played before, so for more guidance, I'm using the Geek Dad's review on geekdad.com from March 27th, 2019. He noted that all of the rules for this game fit on one page, and he noted that it's page four. He also noted that character creation was as simple as the GM picking an adventure from the four that are provided, find out what character your kiddo wants to play, then work out four specific skills they would excel at. Geek Dad specifically pointed out that a pirate might use swashbuckling, navigation, treasure hunting, and being daring as their skills. Then you'd assign a d12 to one, a d10 to the next, then a d8, and finally a d6. That's it. The hooks are provided for the DM, and you work your way through the adventure. The entire idea of the game is to promote imagination and problem solving, rather than combat. So this would definitely be appropriate for the younger kiddos. And the four scenarios in the book are The Deep Dark Wood, Magical Kingdoms Long Ago, Pirate Seas, and Adventures Beyond the Stars. And I think you can figure out what genre of game each of those four applies to. For the record, Geek Dad recommends the game, as do a large number of the reviewers I saw on several other sites. Some of the complaints I've heard about the game is that if you're an experienced DM, you might get in your own way because of the simplicity of the rules. I also read a couple of reviews where the writers complained that after a certain point, their kids felt like they were a little too advanced to keep playing this system. To me, that last one is natural. Once the kids feel ready for more, you bring in a more complicated set of rules. So, where can you find it? You can pick it up in hardcover from Amazon for $25. In fact, the official game site will send you to Amazon to buy a copy. So, there's that. If you want a PDF, the game site will send you to DriveThruRPG, and it has them for $6. So if you want it, it's there for the purchasing. Next on the list is Bubblegum Shoe. Bubblegum Shoe is designed by Emily Care Boss, Kenneth Height, and Lisa J. Steele, and published by Evil Hat Productions. Yes, I do note the irony of a kid-friendly game being released by a company named Evil Hat. No need to point it out. 
The first thing that needs to be noted is that Bubblegum Shoe is a pared down version of the game Gumshoe, which is also an Evil Hat production. However, as multiple reviewers have pointed out, Bubblegum Shoe pared the game down in appropriate ways. The point of Bubblegum Shoe is that your detectives are teenagers. Normal, everyday teenagers. You know, kids like the ones you've got at home, bogarting the Xbox and eating all the good food out of your fridge. As Megan Colleran noted in her review of the game for BellofLostSouls.net, there are certain things that adults would know that kids won't. And that's where the pairing of the rules took place. The game was set up for kids, and according to other reviews I've read, it plays quite well for kids. Another reason for this is that roles have pretty much been taken out of the game. Sure, the characters have skills, but roles to find things, like the perception check in D&D, don't take place. This places the focus of the game not on the success or failure of roles, but on the ability of the players to take the clues they found and solve the case. In a lot of ways, that brings a freedom to this game that other games just won't have. I mean, I've run more than enough D&D games where I've had to figure out alternate ways to get information to my PCs because they totally botched the roles I really needed them to make. So taking that frustration out of the equation would make things easier. Which, of course, you're going to want to do when there's kids involved. Now, before somebody chews me out for this, they didn't eliminate all the roles. It's just that there aren't roles needed when searching for clues. Trust me, if you like your die rolls, there will still be some here. Bubblegum Shoe allows for the adventure to take whatever tone you want it to take. Of course, with the idea being that it's for kids, you're going to probably want to keep it light. But if your kids are a little bit older and you're more comfortable with it, you can darken the tone a bit as well. As Colleran noted, you can go anywhere from Scooby-Doo to Nancy Drew. I'd add some Riverdale to that as well, or at least what my daughter has told me about Riverdale. I honestly haven't watched. Bubblegum Shoe was the 2017 Any Award winner for Best Family Game. It's available in PDF from Evil Hat from their site evilhat.com. The PDF is $12.50. Honestly, that'd be my recommendation as print copies are very difficult to come by. That would be my only down about this game. Okay, we've covered five games. That just leaves us with one. Poke Roll. Yeah, Poke Roll is, as you might have guessed, an RPG version of Pokemon. If your kids are Pokemon fans, this will be right up their alley. Now, Poke Roll is a lot different than the other games on this list. Primarily among the reasons why is that it's a fan-made RPG. The game is currently called, and can be found online, as Poke Roll Project. The game was designed to be a fast and friendly usable game, and it's continually being upgraded based on the input from players. Poke Roll is currently in its second version, which they call version 2.0. The rank system for training Pokemon is familiar. Starter, beginner, amateur, ace, pro, and master. However, the dice pool system they'd used in earlier versions has been eliminated. Here's the beauty of Poke Roll. It's a completely free-to-play game. However, this means that it's only available via PDF from PokeRollProject.com. That's P-O-K-E-R-O-L-E Project.com. But you're shelling out no money for the game, and if your kiddo likes Pokemon, then call it a win. The first version of this game was well-reviewed, and the reviews I read all said they'd play it again. Even a few who weren't Pokemon fans said they liked the way the game was laid out. So if you're not a fan, there's still hope for the game if your kiddo is. 
So with that, we come to the end of today's tour. I need to start today by thanking everyone whose work I tapped into for today's show. Morgan Carpenter at d20collective.com, Brian C. Rideout at Welcome to the Death Trap, rpg.net, geekdad.com, and Megan Colloran at belloflostsouls.net. Their work helped guide me as I worked my way through these games in order to assist you. Thanks, as always, to Pixabay.com for the royalty-free music we use for our intro and outro for this show. If you're into watching gamers streaming, check out at ForTheLootGaming on Twitch. Follow him on Twitter, and he will alert you when he's going live. You can follow us on Facebook, Roleplaying History Podcast. Twitter, at RolePlayingP. YouTube, we've got a channel, Roleplaying History Podcast. You know what to do when you get there. If you want to shoot us an email, of course you can. Just hit us up, RolePlayingHistoryPodcast at gmail.com. Of course, without you, we don't have a podcast. So thank you for your continued support. Please take a minute to spread the word about us to people you think might be interested. And if you happen to have an iTunes account, whether you listen to us there or not, head over and give the podcast a five-star review. Weirdly enough, that'll help us get suggested to more people, which will help us pick up more listeners. All right, so next week we're looking into role-playing games based off of literature. Guess it's time to dust off my reading glasses. But that's next week. Until then, I'm Wayne Davis, and you're role-playing history.